Hi, you are listening to the IAVM podcast series, The Venue Coffee Break, episode 13. We are your hosts. I am Shelly Ellis, the general manager of the Visalia Convention Center, and we have also Alexis Bergren, the general manager of the Old National Events Plaza in Evansville, Indiana. Hello, Alexis. Hello, Shelly. And our goal for this podcast is to provide you with venue-related trends, and news content you crave while, of course, having a lot of fun and a few laughs, but um, <laughs> hopefully, you know, take take in some good insights. And I have to say, this is the first time I think I'm actually drinking coffee. You know, we are the venue coffee break, but I'm actually drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> we put the wine down for today's topic. That's right. That's right. Exactly. <clears throat> well, so let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> so today's topic is a, is a really big one. It's an important one for us, and it's, it's Houston Strong. Uh, 2017, is, it's been tough, and, and we're on track to be a record-setting year for massive natural disasters here in the U.S., and our friends and colleagues in Houston, Texas, unfortunately became part of that narrative this past summer when Hurricane Harvey made landfall in Texas on August 26th as a Category 4 hurricane. It was an incredibly slow-moving storm, and it delivered historic rains to the Houston Metropolitan, and the National Weather Service observed all-time daily record rainfalls of at least 30 inches in most areas. That combination of rain, storm surge, and Houston geography led to catastrophic flooding in and around Houston and southeast Texas. There were approximately 30,000 people displaced in shelters across the state by August 31st, which was only six days after that storm first made landfall. I, I know I said this early, but it is, it's quite possibly the most important subject we have ever tackled on the venue to date. And we are so honored and fortunate to welcome to the program a leader in our industry who is going to be able to offer us his firsthand account of the experiences during Hurricane Harvey this past August, and more importantly, his insight into Houston's resilience and recovery following this historic event. So today we welcome Juan Rodriguez. Juan is the Executive Vice President and General Manager of the BBVA Compass Stadium in Houston, Texas. We're going to hear about how Juan, his stadium staff, and their network of partners and community leaders across Houston, how they coordinated relief efforts and put plans into action, not only after the storm, but before it even made landfall. So again, we are so excited. Juan, welcome to the venue. Thanks for being here. Thank you, guys. Thanks for uh, for letting me come on. Oh, well, excited we, we're about excited. It. Yeah, we, we're, we're really anxious to hear about, about your experiences. So, you know, first of all, tell us about your venue. Tell us about your stadium and, and the teams and um, that play there. We're, we're anxious to hear about, about uh, BBVA. Sure. Um, BBVA uh, Compass Stadium is a 20, 22,000-seat uh, soccer stadium, uh, primarily soccer stadium, but uh, we, we do host a vast uh, array of events, whether it be concerts, uh, American football, soccer, and uh, international um, soccer as well. So it, rugby, you name it. It's it's home to the Houston Dash, uh, NWSL Houston Dash, the MLS and uh, Western Conference final um, participant this year, Houston Dynamo, and then uh, Texas Southern University, uh, amongst many other events. So um, it's right it's located in, in what we call Edo, uh, east of downtown. It's right on the other side uh, from Minute Maid Park and uh, Toyota Center. Center and the George R. Brown Convention Center, so kind of its own little entertainment district, um, you know, roundabout downtown area. Okay. And right. uh, go ahead, Shelly. <clears throat> no, I was going to say, um, I understand that your center was um, processing and distributing donated supplies to people in need. How 
how did you get started in that? And I know you mentioned earlier before you jumped on this call that you also wanted to give credit to other facilities. Yeah. So I mean, what 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 became what what it became is incredible of a of true um, ex expression of humanity and and really care. But the the way it all started was um, a couple I would say twelve to fourteen hours after the storm um, hit. Uh, it, it was quickly realized on October, on August 26th, that um, there's going to be so many folks that were going to be uh, displaced from their homes and so forth. And one of the the biggest and, and, and craziest things that that happened here is that this usually you see some a lot of these areas that are affected in coastal areas and in areas near. Um, uh, places with not too many resources and, and or, or kind of low-lying areas and so forth but this storm actually affected suburbia um, all the attics uh, the reservoirs that were out and placed um, were overflowing because of the amount of water where many areas were reported 30 inches but actually most of Houston got up to 51 inches of water um, in a very short time so that water had nowhere to go the the bayous and the channels to to get that water out were slow moving because of the amount of water that affected not just um, certain areas of, of, of Houston Harris County but in the entirety and uh, this storm came in land and then came out and then came back in um, so it affected more than just Houston. So a lot of resources and everything were going all around the state of Texas. And then all of a sudden, this big metropolitan area gets hit in a massive way. And so many of the facilities that I'll give credit to, whether it be uh, George R. Brown, Toyota Center, um, NRG Park, um, and us, we, we all opened as shelters um, in the area. Um, some some had more to do, some had less to do, some opened on a smaller scale, bigger scale. But the way I got involved is back, uh, I'll, I'll take it back a couple of years ago um, plus, but when Hurricane Katrina hit the New Orleans area, we actually uh, were called upon to open when I worked at NRG Park to open the the, uh, the convention center, the uh, arena, and the old Astrodome as a shelter where we they, they housed over 27,000 people. I still say we um, housed over 27,000 people um, for 21 days there during that storm. That that one, while it was very emotionally tugging and, and very difficult and, and, and uh, seeing the stories and emotions every day, day in and day out, it was a little easier for us. And when I say easier, it was because our staffs weren't affected. Our families weren't affected. Um, we were able to focus on the humanitarian efforts that we needed to do to open these shelters and so forth. Fast forward to this year where many of our facilities were called upon to do the same things. And unfortunately though, this time around, not only were we helping people, which was great, and, and, and those humanitarian efforts came out again, but now our families and our friends and, and our homes were affected. Many of the folks that were running the shelters or, or operating for the city or, or for the county doing different things um, were affected as well. Um, you know, houses had up to four feet to six feet of water in them. Um, there was several people, for example, at NRG Park that are still not in their homes today and are continue to out there working, but we're actually running the shelter during that time as well. Same thing with the George R. Brown and, and even the Toyota Center. So the way I, I kind of got uh, into the mix, um, my uh, a close friend of mine was the executive director for the American Red Cross. And once uh, he heard that my house had not taken out water, taken on water, he uh, he asked me to come in and help them uh, run the shelters back in back after Katrina. I helped Greg um, 
um, Davis to, to write the uh, IABM's mega shelter manual. Um, I was one of the the, uh, the folks that had the honor and privilege to to help out in writing that. So that that experience kind of was called upon this time around. So I was actually called to come in for the Red Cross and work in the command center a little bit at the George R. Brown, and then um, asked to to open the the Toyota Center as a uh, as a shelter for the Red Cross. In that in the midst of that, uh, we discovered that the donations were just coming incredibly fast, incredibly um, massive in what this, everybody that was still affected in the city of Houston and Harris County as a whole, um, George R. Brown had opened for close to 10,000 residents um, to come in and, and use the, Red, the, uh, the George R. Brown as a shelter. So while in the command center, the, the issue came about that, you know, they had nowhere to put, um, nowhere to put the, uh, all this equipment and all this, uh, and all these donations that were coming in. When I tell you donations, everything from baby bottles to um, uh, undergarments to clothing to, I mean, the piles were probably 20 feet high of bags and bags of clothing and supplies that needed to be um, that needed to be sorted and 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 and, uh, and stacked. So. It, it worked out to where I offered up the building, uh, BBVA, as a distribution point. Um, within the next three hours, we had opened it and collected over 2,200 pallets of um, supplies of anything and everything you can imagine to for a household or to feed a family, uh, water, baby products, diapers, wipes, uh, walkers, canes, wheelchairs, comforters, towels, clothing, shoes, you you name it. And uh, it was an overwhelming um, amount of supplies that were brought in and delivered. So we created a drop-off point, had over 800 volunteers that showed up within 12 hours throughout the, uh, the process of collecting this, where after two days, we had to shut it down because our entire concourse of the facility was full ground to about four feet from the ceiling of just how much stuff was was stacked up in there so with these 800 volunteers we created an entire sorting process and through throughout the the, the next several weeks we distributed over 2200 pallets of supplies to about 47 different shelters um, with items already sorted by size by type by specifics whether it was for pets whether it was for for babies whether it was for adults or senior citizens or by size by everything that you can imagine sorted like you would in a department store or a grocery store that then was palletized and shipped out to the different uh, to the different areas um, from that, the different shelters that's you know that's really interesting let me jump in one because I you know I didn't realize that it wasn't sort of always the plan that the stadium would would be the distribution center so that was really something that was arrived at by necessity not necessarily something that you went into you know the the storm as a backup plan. And and how does that work? How do you coordinate those efforts? Because I know you had members of the sports team that played come in and volunteer. I mean, how, do, how even just from a simple communication strategy, when you decide that you're going to open the building for that kind of effort, what what's what's your phone tree look like? How does that work? Well, well, the, the phone tree actually, again, it, it happened by chance in the facility um, is I guess it's it's probably helpful that I had gone through it one time before, unfortunately or fortunately, um, with when, when we opened the, uh, the the shelter at at NRG Park during during uh, Hurricane Katrina. Um, so I think from the phone tree standpoint, the, the right people were in the room at the command center at the George R. Brown, um, whether it was Red Cross, the city, the county, uh, law enforcement, um, 
fire, you know, everybody, all, all your first responders, um, the Red Cross, obviously, Salvation Army, everybody was in that room in the city's command center for, at the George R. Brown managing these shelters. So it was honestly by chance that, that I threw it out there. Um, a stadium like ours, which is an outdoor facility um, or, or not covered facility, does not become uh, cannot become a shelter because what you're trying to get people out of is out of the rain out of the out of the weather conditions and so forth so traditionally a facility like this might not be looked at or thought of as as a as part of this process um at all because the first thing you think about it's not covered but for the aspect of of the supplies and and a distribution point for for donations, it made total sense because there was a drive-through that you can go and drop it off. There was concourses where things could be sorted and stacked, and and it was away away from everything. So we didn't think twice um, to, uh, to 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 open this facility for that. Um, we had games. We quickly uh, we quickly knew that it wasn't a time for sports. It was a time for humanity, and and we quickly uh, moved our teams and, and moved our our sporting events out of here then we reached out to all of our staff and uh and and told them that if they can get here we needed them and the next thing you know players are showing up and staff is showing up and they were part working hand in hand with the volunteers night in day in night out um yeah. every day doing it and 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 sorting all these things and our families our kids came um obviously without being being in school we we were able to bring our kids here and help them sort and collect and it, it was a moment of people you know there was times where people were either coming to drop off supplies and saw that they can volunteer that they go park their car and come in and immediately start volunteering or there was people that were coming here to receive uh, items because they needed them and then realize you know what i will take this home later i'm going to come in and, and volunteer right now so every aspect of 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 the human uh, the human force kind of came out and and everyone did their part and uh, that 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 phone call tree uh so to speak it it, it it happened organically, and uh, I think it's it's the beauty of of humanity. We tend to come together when when the need is there, no matter who's affected. I mean, I can tell you the tears, the frustration, the uh, the anxiety. You saw a wave of emotions every single day here, and and all we were doing was collecting supplies. Um, so when you talk to people like uh, Luther Villa Gomez or John Gonzalez over at uh, GRB, or you talk to Mark Miller or Liam Mostalio or or Jeff Gaines over at, at uh, or Nina Jackson over at NRG Park. I mean, the the stories that they probably can share are are, are so much more amazing because they had the firsthand um, contact with with the public, um, with seeing the difference that they were making by opening their doors to people that had lost everything. And it wasn't um, it wasn't the underprivileged that lost everything. It wasn't the the richest of the rich that lost everything. It was everybody. There was such a diverse uh, community inside those shelters that it, it really brought sadness and um, and really tugged at your heartstrings a, a lot where you wouldn't mind giving everything you had for these folks and it it was very sad children elderly um, middle aged you name it um, were, were affected in this process. Wow. It, it's amazing. I you know I, I'm glad you've touched on your 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 background a little bit because one of the amazing things I. I realized when I was, you know, looking at this story was that, you know, you had really actually only been back in Houston since April. Is that right? Obviously, you have, you know, really deep Houston roots, but you'd, you'd started at BBVA in April of 2017. Did I? That's correct, right? 
Um, I started officially here. Uh, I think I, th I guess the 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 official um, decision was made in April of 2017, but actually arrived here about June 15th. So it was definitely a, a flooding welcome um, that they <laughs> that they gave me a return that they gave me. Right, um, but right. I had only been here since June, so so it wasn't that long. You know, uh, I guess yeah. two months if if that um, to be back in in Houston. Now I had spent 14 years here beforehand and went right. to Sacramento for three. Um, but it was it was it was back to uh, to my family's home. Uh, my kids were born here, and my wife is from here. So I think from that aspect of it, it, it was coming. Uh, it was a kind of a, a homecoming, um, a rather uh, I'll say a rude one to to a point with uh, with the flooding. But it really um, and being a part of being able to help out where whether it was the the shelter at the at Toyota Center or sending some staff to NRG Park to go help them launch up or or opening this facility as a uh, as a as a donation point um it solidified for me why I was here why we came back um it was almost uh, meant to be because I do think it was a little easier knowing um knowing the players and knowing the folks, whether it was the city or the county or, or the Red Cross to come in and, and step in and, and be able to do that and offer that experience, um, having gone through it before, really helped um, this process go fairly quickly here and, and even opening the, the Red Cross shelter of the Toyota Center, having gone through it before. So, you know, it's it solidified for me and my family that we were supposed to be here. We were supposed to come back and uh, it probably made it a little bit more emotional than anything else. Do you think? Go ahead. Shelly, I just want to ask one more follow-up question, then I'll pass yeah, it off to you. But do you think, Juan, that um, you know, one thing that stood out to me then, just given you know everything you just said, and and again how important it was, being that it was a, a quote-unquote new role, but you had such deep ties, you know, for new professionals that that are taking on new new you know roles it's almost become part of your 30, 60, 90 day plan now, I, I think, to be poised to deal with an emergency or catastrophe in your building. I, that's, it's sort of a new narrative, but would you agree? Yeah, I, I, absolutely, 100%. I, you know, I quote one of my mentors, Russ Simons, all the time, right? Bad things happen every day. And uh, it's unfortunate to, to say that, but it's reality. And we need to look at our, our venues are no longer facilities that house sporting events or fans. Um, they are usable facilities for many other things. So I would say, you know, anybody coming in from day one, I, I would say you, you need to look at your, your venues, how it can be used someday for something other than what it would many people would think it was intended for. Um, many people wouldn't have thought a soccer stadium would have been this donation um, location and, and distribution point um, for, for something during a catastrophe. Heck, I, I may not have ever thought that, but you tend to fall into that that realm and you you find certain things that you have to do when you need to do them. So I would definitely advise people as they're looking at their facilities and, and we all get so um, creative when it comes to events and, and what we can host there, whether it's trade shows, consumer shows, you know, sporting events, uh, different sporting events, whatever it is. I mean, you would probably would have never thought that you were going to race quads on ice you know years ago um in, in some of these hockey arenas well now you can or or put a monster truck show in an arena or, or you know because it's not big enough or like a stadium would be etc I, I just think we we think outside the box all the time when it comes to events um that we should be looking at it uh, on on and you really our facilities they are chameleons. They're going to serve the purpose of what we need them to serve. And I think we need to look at that side of it all the time. And it's hard because 
we quickly look at loss of business or loss of revenue by opening it up for these things and, and to do things. But a lot of these facilities were built under those those thought processes that they're there to serve the community, and we always preach that. So I, I, I would just say that don't don't close your, your your eyes to what the facility can be and, and how it can help a community in, in trying times because uh, it'll be very uplifting, no different than, than sports are, right? I mean, we were in such a hard-pressed time that the Houston Astros went on this huge run and have have now won the, the you know the World Series champions. And I can't tell you how this community has gotten on board and, and, and joined these bandwagons. And it's because people are looking are looking for peace and they're looking for something to cheer about. If you if you ever watch the movie Field of Dreams and they're talking about if people will come and and Michael Mann tells tells uh, tells uh, uh, Kevin Costner's character he says people will come Ray for it's money they have but peace they lack and and people sometimes look for that peace and look for something to root for because things are are, are in hard times and and they really need happiness in them and and the astros brought that and now here we are um on this run too and is this a city of destiny now and and uh, and and because of what we're going through we're we've now um last year we were the last place team in, in mls this year um we qualified for the playoffs we we beat the number one seed this past sunday and now we're in the Western Conference Finals hosting it here November 21st of for the first leg. So we win this series. We're playing for the MLS Cup. And and now this town now is is, is so behind this the, the Houston Dynamo team and, yeah. and really the support process because it it inspires people. It brings it brings hope, it brings inspiration, it brings um distraction to, to what's going on. There's people here that will not be in their homes for another two to three months. Two to three months. And this wow. happened in August. Two to three months puts you past the Christmas holiday. Uh wow. times of happiness and, and relaxation and, and these folks are looking at homes where, you know, the studs and their uh, all their sheetrock is still down in their homes and studs are, are are exposed and flooring is up and you know, have to sleep on the second floor because their kids lost everything and you know from from that that part of it the sports is giving that distraction even if it's for if it's for a short time um just a, a little getaway and a little something to cheer about versus something to cry about i was going to ask something actually very similar you know our our audience is venue employees and a lot of us haven't um, been a part of any type of disaster of this magnitude, but it really, it really could, ha it could happen to any of us. And um, is there maybe one or a few things that you would like to have us take away? You know, hey, after this, listening to this, this is something that I would highly um, ask everyone to consider. So they are prepared. Or is there anything that you wish you were better prepared for when this occurred? I, I I guess better prepared. I, I think it's very hard to prepare for it um, because you never think it's going to be you. Um, I'll tell you, if I hadn't gone through the the Katrina um, opening that shelter, I probably would have been a lot more ill prepared, um, and and not not and would have been flying by the seat of my pants a lot more. Um, having done it, I, I I think people should you know the mega shelter. Um, 
manual that was written, um, I think has a lot of very, very great information there that gives a glimpse of what things to prepare for um, and what not. Um, your building is never too small or never too big that you might be called upon because uh, it, they're there, right? Um, but I would say start looking at your venues, make sure you know who who the decision makers within your community and, and city are. Um, even if you're not called, just you, you may be called personally if it's not for your building. We run events. We manage um, large-scale events, large-scale crowds and people and, and crowd management and everything else. You think of everything that goes into putting on an event is no different than, than running a mega shelter or running a shelter or running a distribution point or a collection point or, or, or you know, cash distribution or debit card distribution for, for those in need. Um, it, it's, not, it's not any different. So I think the experience that we have of moving people and, um, and directing people and managing people is, is a very huge tool that sometimes the politics that, that do it or the politicians and, and community leaders out there need that experience and, and need that, um, that opportunity to call upon the leaders in our industry to come in and do that because it's not something they do every single day. Um, it's, not, it's, it's just not. And we do it every single day with mass crowds from 20,000 to the hundreds of thousands. And we do it every single day. Um, and we plan for it every single day. So I think we are an asset to our communities more than just putting on events that people can go and, and, and be distracted to. So I would say, you know, if, if anything, and, and I've, I've shared it with my staff here, my team is really getting them to understand what what it is. I had them go through the other shelters um, to understand and see how it was operated because one day we may be called upon. Maybe one day we, there is no choice but to do it in an outdoor stadium versus an indoor stadium sure. uh, or arena. There, there may not be. If, if God forbid something would have happened to NRG Park or to George R. Brown, where would they have been? Um, where, where were you going to house – 10,000 people like they were at George R. Brown or, or, or the other 8,000 or so that were at uh, NRG Center, where would those folks have gone? They needed, to, they needed to go somewhere. Luckily, those facilities weren't affected, but they could have easily been. And, uh, and other facilities would have been looked at because you had no choice. Um, you know, do you create 10 cities? I mean, luckily, knock on wood, those things didn't have to happen, but I could have easily seen a huge 10 city out on our field for, for 20 plus days. Could have. I mean, but luckily those your, facilities weren't. Yeah. How, how did your stadium fare? You all did not have any infrastructure issues or anything like that? No. Luckily, God bless, we didn't. Um, we received here on site 51 inches of rain. Um, we had redone our drainage system in our pitch about a year ago. Um, so therefore, we were able to, to uh, take on all that water um, that drained through um, our, our soil and our sand base here of, of the field. But, you know, when you think about it, all that water that drained had to go somewhere. And unfortunately, you know, as you as facilities drain, they go and they push water to many other to all the other areas. So you kind of feel that sense of guilt, even in my own home, that as I saw the streets drain in in in, uh, in my streets and and never get too high to my house, I was thinking, you know, and you're watching the news and you're thinking, I'm flooding these people out. Oh, geez. Like the water that's draining in my streets are flooding my friend, are flooding my family. You know, it's it's you you have this sense of guilt of um, why not me? Now it was a blessing. Don't get me wrong that that we weren't affected, but you go through these emotions of 
watching everybody and hearing the fears and 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 the tears and and everything else that you wonder well why not me like why didn't this happen to me uh, I wish it would have happened to me versus that person that um, now lost everything and they had two little kids versus myself that has, you know, a teenager and a and a tween, you know, and and you're and you're thinking, oh my God, you know, what what why not me? Um, so it, it, it's tough. It, it it really is tough. But luckily our facility wasn't um, wasn't affected. So the the beauty of it, we were able to to still do some good and uh, and serve a purpose in this community and and do what we we were able to do. Well, and and speaking of continuing to serve a purpose, you you actually announced a, a charity soccer match to raise money to aid those affected by the the hurricane. And um, it sounds like it's it's going to be held on November eighteenth. So you you I think you built maybe a thirty day window in for yourself to put this kind of event on. Yeah. Which always, which always amazes me. I look at like our friends with the Staples Center who put on a you know memorial for Michael Jackson in 48 hours, 30 days for a major soccer game, you know, with 22,000 people. It sounds like a, a huge undertaking. So what goes into the planning of that? Yeah. So so you know, just on that, we actually moved uh, due to our, uh, our 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 push here in the in the Western Conference Finals. I I don't know if it was. Uh, it, it was something that uh, that we didn't think we were going to be in them or not, but but we're we're in the Western Conference Finals, and so we've actually moved this game to December 16th now um, okay. to give some to give some separation between the World Series Championship of the Astros and our playoff run, um, and we we've actually as of yesterday moved it out a little bit, so now we'll get a lot more participation from a lot more MLS players and, and stars within the league and and uh, some more celebrities that that were coming in, but the way it happened is we had a former player, Stu Holden, that actually walked for Fox Sports, and Brian Chang, one of our legends here with the Dynamo, that both got together and said, you know what, let's let's go out and let's do something special for this community. And all of a sudden, they started calling out their friends, and and here we are, and and all of a sudden, you know, the Roger Clemens of the world, Mia Hams, Carly Carly Lloyd, uh, the WWE uh, immediately got involved, and 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 wanting to be part of it, and uh, YouTube sensations, uh, Jake Paul. I mean, I can go on and on on the list of of people that immediately jumped on board and said we want to be part of this, and and it organically just happened where more and more um, celebrities, um, Craig Biggio, a local a local here uh, with the Astros, said they were in, and all of a sudden you have this this celebrity soccer match that's going to take place, and and it wasn't hard to find who who would participate in it and who would donate money um, into into the mix, and. So we're really excited to host this, and you know, it, it, it's it, the name of the event is Kick In for Houston. It'll be here on site at the BBVA Compass Stadium, December 16th, and with the stars of the stars and, and many legends and many current MLS stars that'll put on a, a soccer match for 100% with all proceeds going to uh, to the Hurricane Relief Fund, and uh, and it, it's it's huge and and overwhelming, and and very proud to. to work with some of these folks here that were able to put something like this together in, a, in such a short time because that decision was made um, two days after the storm um, that that was we're going to do this and we're going to come out and do this and all of a sudden um, it, it, it took life and and here we are so amazing well and I saw Alexi Lawless will be there too I, I kind of go fangirl about Alexi Lawless I, I was, there, uh, you go. there you go I'm of so, a certain age yes yeah. <laughs> yep yep so he, he so he will be here as well, and uh, I, I mean, it's it's honestly overwhelming those that want to participate and and give back to this great city and, and great community because this this community is so prideful. 
Um, I can tell you that what we saw during Katrina, um, when we opened the, the shelters back in, in during Katrina, um, we did it um, for others, and um, and they opened their hearts and they opened their homes and they opened their pockets and everything you name it. And here we are now doing it for Houston, and they did it all over again. And you know, I grew up in Miami and gone through Hurricane Andrew, and and then Irma hit Miami and South Florida, and it quickly. Um, you know, the, we became the old story because there was other people affected and other people that had issues, whether, you know, Puerto Rico now and, and South Florida still recovering. I, I just want to remind everybody that just because the storm is gone or the next unfortunate tragedy occurred or whatever, there's still people behind um, still recovering. You know, in Puerto Rico, there's still people today, X amount of days after that storm that are still without power. Um, in, in Miami and South Florida, um, or most of Florida, there's still people that probably can't get still in their homes because they're damaged and they can't afford to fix them. Here in Houston, there's still people um, that are trying to, to recover and, or lost everything and can't recover. Um, so I, I only bring that up so when you know people are thinking that, okay, the news coverage stopped, that doesn't mean that the mm -hmm. sorrow and the and the recovery stop because it'll never stop. There's just billions of dollars of damages probably within, you know, e each of these three areas that I talked about. Billions of dollars, not millions, not thousands, but billions of dollars in in recovery for people. And that's not just something you can easily write a check for and 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 go about it. It's 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 real. It's real life. And just because, you know. The Today Show's not here covering, or Lester Holt's not doing a story out here, or CNN, you know, is not doing a story in the city anymore. That everything's back to normal. Yes, the waters have drained, the storm—it stopped raining, but every time that it sprinkles here in Houston, a day like today where it's about to rain, now it it brings back those reminders. It's it's that you know that, that post-traumatic you know disorder that that many people kind of refer to. It's real. It's real. Every time it rains, it's is it going to flood? Is it me next? How high is this water going to get? Are the are the reservoirs going to overflow? I mean, those are the things that run through your mind for every single sprinkle. You see, just a bit of water hits your windshield and you start worrying. So, I think just the reminder to everybody: just because the coverage stops, the suffering and the sorrow doesn't. And uh, and and that's why we as as leaders with the community of events and so forth have to really provide uh, an outlet for, for many in our community. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I know our, our time is winding down, but you touched on something and I, I it's kind of been at the top of my mind here lately too. And that's uh, you know, what what support are you providing, you know, to your own your own team, to your own staff? Are there um, you know, I'm sure that there are, you know, employee assistant programs and outlets and things like that. Have you gone into more detail in terms of any grief counseling or um, you know, support groups or anything kind of among among your staff? Sure. I, I think I think we talk about it all the time. We uh we kinda hold sessions together to just talk about what we went through and, and what, what has happened and, and we've offered help to our staff. Um we had several players, our equipment manager from our NWSL team. I mean, you you name it, we've we've kind of done. We've our, our owner came out and obviously he made a, a very large um sizable donation to to the to the cause as well, but also from a from an a team standpoint, um, 
they've been we we've supported our staff where we can um some of them lost some 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 didn't but we've all come together to help people recover in their homes and and clean up homes and, and clean up certain things and or provide certain financial support or or all the different counseling you're referring to so we we've kind of taken it's a human aspect to it right it's no different we say we spend more time with our coworkers than we do our family which is true so they become family and so it's no different than something I wouldn't do for my sister or my cousin or my brother um, we'll do the same thing here for our staff and and we really we become a lot tighter um, because of it because um, you know that during certain times someone has your back and someone's there for you and and while we say that we're always here for each other at work we, we we've shown it that uh, the personal side as well so Amazing. Well, gosh, we we are we always race through these 30 minutes, and Shelly and I are always scratching our heads like we don't know how we killed time so quickly because I, I could go on and on. But Shelly, do you have any uh, last questions or final remarks that that you want to make? Well, I think you know, one one thank you very much for taking the time to um, speak with us on this very important subject. You know, as venue employees and managers, we want to be prepared and not only for our city but for our staff and i think it's um, great to hear both sides and you know it's, it's not over just because the news is not covering it they're on to the next story it's not over so um thank you for you know mentioning that because you know the recovery is going to take some time and you know we also you know our condolences to everyone because you know there's lives lost and people lost their loved ones their homes and they're going to continue to grieve so you know, our, um, it'll take time and, you know, our thoughts and prayers to go out to everyone. So, you know, I want to, again, thank you and thank all those that um, were part of uh, the help. And, you know, I know all of us that are working for venues, you know, if this um, were to occur, we we hope that we can step up as, as you did. And I'll probably put your, call you and fly you over here, but, <laughs> so, but unfortunately and fortunately you have been part of this, but it was, it was, like you said, you probably would have been a, maybe a hot mess if you hadn't been part of it previously, but. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And and Juan, if uh, if there's any of our listeners that want to reach out and maybe ask you some questions directly or seek some feedback, uh, is there a, a a way that they can find you? Maybe on LinkedIn or um, sure. someplace else that they can reach out to you? Yep, I'll, I'll give my email um, J Rodriguez at HoustonDynamo.com. That's J R O D R I G U E Z uh, at HoustonDynamo.com, and or my cell phone. It's it's unfortunately. Just ask my family. It's always on. So uh, I'll, I'll give that as well. 832-250-1799. So um, absolutely. Um, at, at any time, I'd, uh, you know, I, I want people to learn from my mistakes. That's uh, that's that's a great one. That's a great thing to do. And, and so they don't have to go through it next time. And if they do, they're a little bit more prepared. But I, w I would tell you, an easy resource, obviously, with IAVM is go download that mega shelter book. And if you have questions, and we can go through that. But uh, but it's it's something that'll get you started and get you thinking of how you look at your facility. Absolutely. That's that's great advice. Well, listen, thank you again so much to our guest, Juan Rodriguez, Executive Vice President and General Manager of the BBVA Compass Stadium in Houston. Again, so honored that you would join us today. And I learned far more from your victories than your mistakes, as you put it. <laughs> it sounds like yeah, <laughs> you, you had some 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 great uh, successes there in, in the face of such challenge. So thank you. And thank you, as always, to our listeners. Um, we, we appreciate your support. Hope that you uh, found today's 
uh, podcast relevance. Thank you to Greg Wolf, our sound engineer and spiritual podcast guru. And thanks, Shelly. If you have any questions for either myself or Shelly or topic suggestions for future podcasts, we certainly invite you to share those with us. Uh, you can find us on IAVM's member directory or LinkedIn. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be announcing our next podcast and topic here shortly. We're going to make sure it's a good one, Shelly. So we're going to have to put our heads together and come up with something really, really cool, right? It's always good. It's always good, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, we'll we'll come up with something you won't want to miss. So again, thank you everyone for joining us and we'll see you next time.